time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm alright, Tom. How are you? Lucky day, Mr. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. Stay tuned, cause it's on now. The Tom Sumner Program. This is a message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Older adults and people of any age who have serious underlying medical conditions are at higher risk for severe illness from COVID-19. If you are at higher risk, you should stay home as much as possible and avoid close contact with people who are sick to protect yourself. Call your doctor if you have concerns about COVID-19 and your medical condition or if you get sick. For more information, visit cdc.gov. program. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the second hour of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. We're going to talk a little bit about the effects of COVID-19 on education. We know that schools are closed and parents are struggling with uh, trying to do homeschooling. There's uh, online learning and so on, yet there still exists what's called an academic slide. And uh, here from uh, the uh, chief academic officer from Varsity Tutors joins me now by phone to talk about that um, and more, Brian Galvin. Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, Tom. Thanks a lot for having me. Um, what, how are we measuring that there's an academic slide? Yeah, good question. Um, there's uh, quite a few studies. There's actually a really good Wall Street Journal study um, that survey cited. A study that came out uh, on Monday that was, uh, you know, basically said that uh, you know in a normal year you'd say you know about uh, you know 20 percent of students are behind where they should be. This year it's closer to two thirds, um, and that really maps with the uh, the data we have at Varsity Tutors. We've been doing a whole bunch of next grade readiness um, diagnostic assessments and uh, and custom learning plans to kind of help families get through all of this, and we found that, um, you know, for pretty much every grade um, in math, there's at least one or two what we would call critical path skills that, you know, next year's or, you know, this year's skills depend on your understanding of last year's skills, where about two-thirds of uh, students are, are behind where they should be or have a weakness in a skill that's a critical path, and uh, it's a little less pronounced than reading, um, and most of the studies show that, but even around there, about half of students um, in you know critical areas of reading are a little bit behind. So um, quite a few studies out there. You know we've been um, you know trying to act on ours. So um, but uh, but yeah, it's definitely it's real. How and how are we defining academic slide? 
It, well, the, um, the general, you know, the term academic side um, has been around forever. It's the summer side. Um, it's just sort of known that, uh, you know, in a, a typical summer of, of eight to ten weeks, students lose, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 30 percent of the previous year's gains in math and reading. Um, and so even going into this summer, knowing how shaky the spring had been, um, you know, in some, some school districts never really got uh, fully back and going in, uh, in April and May, and a lot of them, um, you know, sort of admit it wasn't that great. A lot of students and schools waited a little bit to find out what was going on. So we had a longer summer than ever before. Uh, we had a shakier spring. And then all the transition costs of, of, you know, kids and teachers adapting to new formats and, and all those kinds of things. Um, you know, that's really what the slide is. is it's, um, it's a, you know, this year it's a pronounced summer slide, a really pronounced summer slide, and it's that, um, you know, basically it, it comes down to, you know, a lot of ways use it or lose it. If, uh, you know, over time, if, if kids aren't getting that repetition and building on skills, uh, they regress, and then, you know, if like a game of shoots and ladders, then you're, you're starting from below where you should be, and, and there's that much more catching up to do. Brian, we're hearing a lot about uh, school closures. It's gotten really confusing because uh, elementary schools were open, but high schools and middle schools were closing, and uh, online learning was being preferred at some levels. Is there an age group that has uh, suffered more or less during this uh, pandemic, uh, during 2020? It, yeah, you're definitely looking at, um, you know, kind of elementary school. Um, there's just so many things that have to be tactile um, that, that require, you know, real routines. You know, it's been great that, uh, you know, we've been able to do more in person with the younger learners. But even at that, there's been, you know, kind of fits and starts and, you know, regressions back to online and things. And we find with younger learners is, you know, one – they really thrive on routine. You think back to your own classroom as a kid and, you know, all the different routines and, you know, chants you would do to line up and walk places and, you know, pegs you would put in the board when you're doing different activities. Those kids really thrive on routine. Um, they, uh, they need things to be hands-on, interactive, and, and really switching, you know, every 15 to 20 minutes doing something a little bit different. And that's just that much harder to do online. And so, um, you know, uh, uh, high school students, I don't want to – um, you know, put too much of a burden on them. But, you know, they're a digital generation. They kind of, you know, uh, you know, a lot of them have that sort of self-starter mentality or, you know, you can kind of expect them to do what they're doing with, uh, with elementary school kids. Um, you know, parents have to be more involved because you need someone physically there to help with the routine and parents don't have that kind of time. Um, so that's who, you know, we're, we're most worried about, who we've been hearing the most from, uh, from elementary school parents. It's been really dramatic this year. Typically in a tutoring and, uh, you know, uh, supplemental education company, you hear a lot from high school students that are getting ready for college. Parents have been kind of aged out of the expertise of, you know, knowing how to do that kind of math and, and you know, science. Um, <laughs> this year it's been really pronounced with uh, parents of younger learners saying, we know we need help and, you know, we're, we're trying to find it anywhere we can. I, you know, I was gonna, I was gonna ask about that because a lot of parents find themselves in the position now of uh, sort of uh, conducting uh, at-home schooling, um, and 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 some have embraced it, some have uh, maybe not. But but how are parents doing with with their kids home from school? Are they doing pretty well in in most things except math? <laughs> um, good question. I would say um, you know, for, for grading, right? We're talking education. Um, a plus for effort. Um, parents are working harder than ever before. Um, I think you know what we hear from is 
you know, they're, they're exhausted. Um, you know, they're, they're putting in a ton of effort. Um, you know, I think they're keeping their enthusiasm relatively high. I think the struggle some in or a couple places. One, um, you know, it's, just, it's a lot of coordination. You, know, you think of how many little things you take for granted in a school where kids know when this bell rings, you walk here, or here's the routine. Um, you know, if there's a disciplinary problem, there's a principal's office to send it to. The kids are learning from home. The parent has to coordinate what happens moment to moment. Uh, they are the principal's office, and they're trying to get some work done from home. So some pretty staggering things. You know, we know um, the uh, you know a, a pretty large number of women, especially, have left the workforce to just be home and coordinate school from home, um, and that's challenging. Um, you know, a lot of parents, we find, are doing quite a bit of studying on their own sides. Not even that they don't remember it. They just learned it differently. You know, Common Core, and, and that's its own debate. I think there's a lot to like about the deep understanding that Common Core kind of creates for students. But if you're a parent that didn't learn it that way, um, you know, you really have to go back to, to square one to understand it. So um, parents are putting in a, a ton of effort. We're asking more of them than ever before. Uh, most are doing it with a smile on their face and, and trying to make the best of it. But um, it's, it's an untenable situation to, to ask parents to, you know, they're adapting to work from home and, and to the stress of COVID and, and, you know, all the different, you know, procedures for, you know, sanitizing groceries for those who are still doing that, plus doing all the, um, you know, coordination from home. It's tough. It, you know, it's interesting you brought up that uh, a lot of times parents, um, it, it isn't so much that they don't remember what they learned, but they learn things differently. And I got uh, uh, stung by that um, many years ago. Uh, one of my daughters uh, was, I think, kindergarten or first grade, and they were doing something about presidents and they had all their work on the board and I had taken my daughter to school and was talking with the teacher for a minute and she was showing me you know Lizzie's work on the wall and um, her project was about George Washington and I rattled off the cherry tree story which isn't taught anymore because it was never true and the teacher was correcting me when when my daughter interrupted and said, imagine that, a president who can't lie. And the teacher uh, and the teacher and I looked at each other and she said, Out of the mouths of babes. <laughs> and then it turns out even that wasn't true, right? That was uh, you know, we we uh we know mythology. That's crazy, right? You think, you know, the things that shouldn't change when you have to teach your kids are, you know, history from the you know, the seventeen nineties. And if even that's changing on us, yeah, it's, uh, it's a tricky time. Pluto was a planet when we were kids. You know, there was a Yugoslavia and a East Germany, and um, you know, and then some of these uh, you know presidential myths. Plus, the map was a little bit different. So, um, yeah, parents have their work cut out for them. Um, and um, you know, what we've been hearing a lot is it's um, you know some of the, actually parents are saying like they like some of the academic work. It's sort of fun to go back and learn some of those things, but it's just the, the coordination is such a challenge um, that, uh, you know, it's, it's, we, we rely so much on just the inertia of school to do a lot of those things for us. And uh, I think parents are realizing how many little things the teacher is responsible for during the day. Do you think because parents have gotten more involved that in a post pandemic world, um, the new normal will involve parents continuing to be more involved. That's been a complaint um, that that teachers have had um, that that a lot of parents aren't as involved as they should be in their children's education. 
Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. I think there's definitely some positives to come out of this. I think um, you know one is is parents being more involved um, in you know even really in a way of of you know kids getting reinforcement that this stuff matters. Um, you know, one of the fears we have is. You know, when you're in school, you have classmates sitting next to you. So when, you know, an assignment or an activity is over, you're talking to your friend about, hey, what was the answer to number seven? Or how did you get that so quickly? Or, you know, you see that what you're doing matters to your peers. You're walking through the hallway and another teacher says, hey, I heard what you did on that math test. Or great job in the, you know, soccer game on Thursday. And the things you're doing, like, you, you get that feedback loop of what you're doing is important to everyone. Uh, whereas now it almost seems like, hey, class is done. You flip down the lid on the laptop and it's like, why did I just learn about, um, you know, uh, cell mitosis for, you know, for, for 45 minutes? And so parents having that kind of involvement, knowing what's going on, um, you know, one thing we've been advising parents is you don't have to have the answers, but if you get kids talking about what they're learning, just the, the act of them articulating it, means that, you know, it's the, the statistic that, you know, you learn, you remember 10% of what you hear, 20% of what you read, but, you know, more than half of what you have to teach to someone else. So uh, one huge, you know, benefit that we hope sticks around is parents just sort of, you know, facilitating conversation about what kids are learning. So the kids see that it's important to adults they respect, they have more opportunities to discuss it. Um, so I think that's, that's one of the, the nice benefits that uh, when we all have a little more time and patience, hopefully sticks around. And what will school look like uh, going forward? Do you think we're going to be, I, I don't know, seeing a lot more online learning? Is that going to be a, uh, um, is that going to become part of education uh, even after the pandemic is, uh, I don't in, know, receding? In pieces. Yeah, in pieces. I think, um, and, and, you know, I you know, we'd love to be able to predict the future even more, but I think what we're finding is certain things about, uh, you know, distance learning or technologically enhanced learning are working really well. Uh, one is participation is easier um, because when kids don't have to stand up in front of a class or raise their hand and speak in front of 30 people to ask a question or to volunteer their answer, you get a whole lot more diversity of voices. More kids participate when they can click a button and it's a, you know, it's a poll answer and they can private chat their teacher. And so I think, um, you know, having uh, facilitating interaction, um, you know, more with tech tools, whether it's, uh, you know, there's all kinds of tools that teachers are using now to, to use polling or kind of anonymous chat and those kind of things, um, you know, that will probably stick around. Supplemental and personalized education, you know, adaptive assignments. It's, you know, one of the things, you know, we're really excited about with people having to get exposed to online is, you know, sort of the way, you know, we learned on, you know, the, it's the 30-question worksheet. And if you get it after six questions, you still have to grind out the other 24. If you're struggling, you've got to beat your head against the wall for all 30. Adaptive assignments where you're taking, you know, doing things online and you're doing well, it can challenge you a little bit. If you're struggling, it can intercept you and ask you a couple of questions about your thought process so that we record how you're doing and give you a chance to course correct. So I think um, certain technological tools will make their way into the classroom. Um, I, I think most people are, uh, are uh, planning on, on, you know, really enjoying and celebrating the return to full-time in-person learning with friends and social groups and extracurricular activities and field trips and all those things. But um, some of the elements of technology that teachers are working with that, uh, you know, involve more students, that better personalize, um, those things really should stick around. And, and I think um, you know, we're, we're getting too much exposure <laughs> to Brian, all the good, bad, and the ugly. Okay. Brian, yeah. Brian, I have to interrupt here. I have a break coming okay. up. Can you stick around so we can talk some more? 
Oh, absolutely, yeah. Thank Great. You. Brian Galvin from Everybody Varsity Tours when we return. Brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the bricks. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255, or contact us on Facebook. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner Program where to go. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. Take the following everyday steps to help avoid the spread of all respiratory viruses. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. Throw the tissue away and then wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces, such as remote controls and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your health care provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology. Engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. 
TomSumnerProgram.com The Tom Sumner Program.com program. The Tom Sumner program takes a look back at 2020, Monday and Tuesday, December 28th and 9th, with a two-part special called 2020 Highlights, Not Just COVID. Here, special guests provide commentary and analysis about the Mueller report, impeachment, the State of the Union, State of the State, virtual political conventions and debates, plus civil unrest, and Sheriff Chris Swanson's response to local demonstrations, and a whole lot more. Listen December 28th and 9th because there was more to 2020 than COVID-19. Stream the show from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com, repeating online all day and night. Or tune in on 92.1 FM in Flint at 9 a.m. and p.m. both nights. That's 2020 highlights, not just COVID, December 28th and 9th on the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue talking about... uh, the, the effect uh, of COVID on education um, with um, Brian Galvin from Varsity Tours. Uh, Brian, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Oh, of course, and apologies for rambling into the break. Man, a couple cups of coffee and a discussion about education, and I can't help myself. <laughs> no worries. Um, I, I, I like, uh, this is a talk show, Brian. I like guests who like to talk. Um, Perfect. Let's, but, but let's talk about uh, some of the realities of this. Um, you know, I've been making jokes about uh, the class of 2020 and, uh, you know, if, if they're all going to stay home when it comes time for their uh, class reunions. Um, but this has impacted the school year that ended um, this last uh, spring and into summer. But now talk about vaccines and their availability and how long it'll be looks like it may we may not see uh, a real active vaccination uh, process and progress until almost or into summer so we're talking about school two school years that have been impacted um are are kids by and large keeping up with their education or do we have kids that that are, are going to have this big chunk missing from their educational uh, experience and accomplishments? Yeah, good question. It's um, it's a lot like we're seeing with the economy. I think the K-shaped recovery. Um, there are some kids who are thriving. Um, you know, there are. You know, one one example is you know you kind of mentioned the class of 2020 um, for a year or two elite colleges are easier to get into because international application volume is way down because of, you know, whether it's visa issues or just travel restrictions and those kinds of things. There are more spots at colleges. Colleges are going to their wait lists a little more often. Um, There are kids who are thriving because of personalized learning or the ability to participate more than they ordinarily would. 
Um, and another place we're finding is with learning differences or special education, the fact that a lot of kids have to seek out supplemental education and you know, a company like Varsity Tutors, you know, we can group, you know, we've got, you know, we've worked with close to a million families this year. We can group kids based on their particular needs and not necessarily just the geography and, you know, group kids who all have a special need in a class of 12 or 15, but kids that are just like them. So they're some groups that are thriving, um, that are really taking advantage of it. Um, and then there are others who, you know, that COVID slide, um, right now, it's, it's hopefully for a lot of families a one-year aberration, although statistically it will have a lasting impact on lots of kids. Um, I think who's suffering are, you know, almost it's, it's sad. It's, you know, it's, the, it's like the inverse of the, the meat shall inherit the earth. It's, uh, it's those <laughs> whose parents aren't necessarily advocating for them, uh, finding supplemental resources to catch up. If you're behind this year on three or four critical math skills that are just, you know, you can, if it's tangible, you can shore that up, you'll be okay. But what's scary is when that snowballs and, you know, you're finding common denominators is tricky. And that leads to, you know, struggle with factoring out larger numbers and factoring such a big part of algebra. If year over year that snowballs to, you know, the idea that I'm just not a math person, that's who we really need to protect. So, um, you know, it's a K-shaped recovery. We worry a lot about those who are a little bit behind and it's just going to get progressively worse because we keep building new concepts on top of what's already shaky. And so this is a year for parents where, um, you know, seek out supplemental education, whether it's rolling up your sleeves and doing some extra work on weekends, whether it's looking for a company like Varsity Tutors to, you know, do a little bit of, you know, extra math and reading enrichment, you know, uh, uh, after school or with the tutor, um, whether it's talking to teachers in the school district about, you know, is it a good year? You know, school districts won't voluntarily hold everybody back a year. But if you realize that, hey, I had a kid who was getting, you know, A's and B's who's now getting C's and D's, this you may need to advocate this year for, you know, what can I do right now? Or, you know, can I be one of those groups that just gets a, a mulligan on 2020? <laughs> that's 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 a funny idea. Otherwise, uh, um, it, it looks like we um, have a lot of kids that, that are going to maybe need summer school. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, you know, if you look at, at just, you know, statistically the regression, you know, two-thirds of kids are, are behind on critical skills. We need to make that up somewhere. You know, right now it can be a one-year problem. Uh, if we don't address it, it can be a many-year problem. We were talking about uh, technology and the role that it's been playing during uh, COVID, but also the role that it will play going forward and and how it will make up the new normal. Is the the idea of field trips, is that a thing of the past? Will will they all be virtual going forward? Um, I, I, what's great about it is uh, they don't all have to be virtual. You know, I, I think you you will find... Um, you know, certain things, you know, in Michigan Greenfield Village, you've got to go to Greenfield Village and, you know, and see some of the exact, you know, kind of get, you know, tangible things or the, the space center in Jackson. Certain things you have to go and see in person. The kids need, you know, that right there that, you know, it's part of the experience. It's fun time with friends. It's getting out and seeing a new place and something inside. Um, the great thing, though, is there are a lot more virtual opportunities now. So um, we can get the best of all world where, um, you can take a two-hour virtual field trip to a museum that you know you never would have gotten a chance. So there's an art museum from New York City, or um, you know, we've got a partnership right now with the Field Museum in, in Chicago and in Art City Theaters. We've got dinosaur exhibits, and you know from Planet Saga, you can visit these amazing uh, you know museums and, and uh, exhibits 
you know, quickly, and, and you know, you can also do the things that uh, have that sort of more time-honored, you know, really hands-on experience. So I think you'll find it'll be a blend, and it just gives teachers more options, um, you know, schools more, you know, more ways to, to kind of add spoonfuls of sugar to uh, to the mess of a typical school day. Well, I remember you mentioned uh, Greenfield Village in Michigan, and and that was always a big one. Um, there was a field trip that I took when I was a kid uh, that that sounds a little unusual. We went to uh, Glenwood Cemetery, and that sounds a little bit like maybe I went to Vampire Academy, but um, it it actually was kind of interesting because it became a Flint history lesson. Um, most most of the uh, large markers in Glenwood Cemetery were street names and historical figures from the history of Flint, and it made for a, a great real-life connection to history. Oh, that's neat. That's, um, yeah, kind of in, in, you know, almost like a, a in-person Ancestry.com. Kind of, yeah. Um, and, it, and it was so funny, as you know, young kids walking through the cemetery and they're looking at the names on the, on the markers and go, wait a minute, I know that street. I know that street. I live on that street, you know. And, and, and then that put the teacher in a position to then talk about who those people were and what they meant to the history of Flint and why they had streets named after them and so on. And it was... Uh, a really fascinating and different experience. I don't know that you would get the same sort of experience virtually. Yeah, and that's why I think it'll, it'll be a mix of, of types of field trips. I think certain things, you know, uh, you know, so many museums, we've got a whole series of virtual field trips where uh, we have uh, varsity tutors, our star courses led by celebrities. We've got astronauts and Olympic gold medalists and Oscar winners teaching, you know, 45-minute classes designed to inspire. And then sort of like your, your you know, cemetery trip, it's like, okay, now I've got questions. Now I, I was drawn in by the excitement of this or because the bus dropped me off there, and uh, now I have questions. So I think, you know, the ability of field trips to inspire, some translate really well online um, and, and the scale, um, you know, kind of like some what we're doing where, you know, you can get – 20,000 kids, you know, interacting with an astronaut, you know, that's kind of hard to, to do locally. Uh, but then other things just need to be, you know, really tactile. There's learning about your neighborhood or, um, you know, just sort of experiencing history in a way. Um, you know, we, in, uh, in Plymouth, Michigan, there was a, a one-room schoolhouse that was kind of a, you know, a time-honored springtime tradition to go and look at how, how they learned. And you go back to your classroom and really appreciate, you know, all that you had access to. And so some things have to be physical. Others can do really well online. And I think as we get through this era, we'll, uh, you know, teachers will have those options to be able to blend it. And it should make education that much more you know, personalized and exciting and valuable. Uh, we just need to get through the hard part first. Do you have any sense for how these, uh, these school closures, um, extended closures, are going to impact education funding? Because, you know, the, the count day has become kind of a non-event. Yeah, that's that's a good question, and um, you know, yeah, count day uh, has been tricky. You know, uh, you know, a lot of parents are, are dabbling with homeschooling um, to uh, to just have something consistent that's there. Um, so it's um, you know, it'll um, you know, and I know it's a, it's a different conversation when you get into you know uh, governance in, in Michigan and, and you know the country. I think there are 
it will have to be some, um, you know, kind of forward thinking, um, you know, governance and, and how do we account for what was such a strange year? You know, how do we, we um, you know, kind of catch up? You know, what, what resources do we need to catch up? And, you know, how do we just sort of make things whole because it was so strange? So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a huge question that may be a little above my pay grade. <laughs> well, I didn't mean to put you on the spot, Brian. I just wondered oh, no. if you had any insights about it because, you know, I, I wonder if school districts are uh, going to get some mulligans when it comes to funding. Yeah, they, they deserve it. You know, and you think of, you know, some of the, you know, just investments individual teachers have had to make to upgrade their technology to be able to teach remotely and, and effectively. Um, and, you know, how many of them are, are upgrading their webcam or, you know, buying stylus tablets so they can write on screens a little bit better and, and all those kinds of things. So, um, you know, hopefully, you know, districts and, and state governments are, are kind of taking a look at, you know, how do we make the, you know, make school districts whole? Um, you know, how do we, we help compensate teachers for, you know, doing double duty the way they have been this year? Um, you know, I, I really do hope folks are thinking about that. I, I know when, uh, when the um, uh, shelter at home orders uh, first began and uh, watching national news outlets uh, with people trying to broadcast from home and it all started out with kind of a Skype image you know and and they were fairly terrible for a couple of weeks and then all of a sudden the cameras and the audio got better and there were green screens and all of a sudden it looked like they were back in the studio again even though they were broadcasting from their basements um, and teachers had to go through that that curve as well Oh yeah, and, and with less funding, right? They weren't, uh, they didn't have, you know, TV networks behind them saying, "Hey, we have to make this better." They weren't getting, getting rated on, you know, the um, the Twitter account Room Raider that, that anybody that's doing the interview from home. They're always kind of, you know, critiquing in a fun way everybody's backgrounds, and so, um, you know, it's sort of, you know, the world has has upgraded our. Uh, ability to work remotely and, and look professional, but uh, teachers probably had to do that faster than anyone, and, and you know with, with fewer resources. So um, you know we give give a ton of credit to the teachers that are making it work. What are the things that that parents should be doing now, who have kids who have been bounced sort of in and out of school, and they've tried to make up some of the slack and and the schools have tried to provide some online learning opportunities but what should parents be doing um what's what's the most important thing for them to do going forward to make sure that their kids uh catch up and stay caught up yeah really good question there's tons let me give you two that i think uh you know maybe tie for the most important um one is stay involved and, and get your kids talking, uh, both about what they're learning, because it is so important that they have more opportunities to directly interact with, you know, authority figures, adults, or just someone, even friends, like talking about what they learned. And so many of those little interactions aren't happening as much when things move online. Um, and, and sort of in addition to that is be empathetic. Um, one of the things we've been learning a lot from child psychologists is, the importance of specific empathy, that kids are going through a lot of angst right now. Their world has been turned upside down. We're asking more of them. And, uh, you know, the ability to, to hear what they're saying and repeat back to them, hey, you know, you're jealous that your, you know, your brother, you know, got to do some in-person school or that, you know, his experience was different than your experience. You know, specific empathy is important and making sure that, you know, kids – 
you know, kind of have that, that psychology that we will get through this, that they have an outlet, that they have someone to talk to, and in particular their social networks have been tightened a little with distancing. So um, one is, is involve yourself in, in their learning and, and be empathetic and make sure kids, you know, are able to talk about what they're learning and what they're feeling. And the second one, this is, you know, important this time of year as report cards are coming out and sort of, you know, in, in different Different times, you know, some still, you know, kept the November schedule, some are coming out in December, but as you find that there are subjects that a student is struggling in, um, the next most important thing is, is a two-step. One is diagnose why. Um, you know, we've got our learning lab tool at Varsity Tutors that does quick diagnostics with custom lesson plans. They even include videos for parents to get caught up on Common Core subjects if you need to do some of the teaching. Uh, but find out, you know, what are the handful of things that are really important that kids need to work on and, uh, and find a way to supplement that, whether you're doing that whether you contract a company like Varsity Tutors, whether you look into what your school district is offering. Um, but, you know, like we've been talking about, the, the COVID slide, hopefully, and for a lot of families, will be a one-year aberration. Uh, but if we don't address it, it'll be, you know, it, it has lasting power because so many skills build on one another. And so, you know, diagnosing where kids need help in, in the specific skills, if we're going to ask them to do more, we should make sure it's really value-added on what they need and, um, you know, use some time, whether it's over the holidays or, you know, like you mentioned, summer school, um, you know, or after-school programs to, uh, to really fill those in so that, you know, we can kind of nip the COVID slide in the bud and we still have time to do that. What are some uh, places, uh, some resources that parents can avail themselves of to um, figure out what they need to do and how to do it? Yeah, great question. Obviously, um, you know, varsity tutors, we've been working on that a lot to make sure that, uh, you know, the parents have, you know, efficient diagnostics that give custom study plans. So at varsitytutors.com with our learning lab, um, you can, you know, go in and, and, you know, based on grade level and, and, you know, something like third grade math or fifth grade reading, you know, gotta get a diagnosis. It really breaks it down into tangible, you know, things that you can teach them over, you know, work on over a couple of days to, uh, to work on specific skills. Um, school districts, you know, may have some of those resources as well that, uh, you know, whether they're contracting with someone or they even have, you know, the ability to, to have, get more time. You know, I think teachers are really giving of their time, uh, you know, and in previous years, like you alluded to, uh, you know, one of the frustrations was not as many people are showing up to parent-teacher conferences as we wanted. Um, so, you know, ask for help. I think sometimes, you know, just the teachers know what are, or what's going on and they may be able to give you a little bit of extra time or point you into different directions. So, um, you know, I think if you can find – Tools like we have at Varsity Tutors or go directly to teachers, um, you know, see if you can find out what specifically you need to work on. And uh, that generally leads toward, you know, resource lists and things that you can do it yourself or you can look for, you know, for opportunities to have a tutor or, uh, you know, small group classes, fill in so you can outsource some of that work. And, and uh, finally, Brian, what are um, – I, I know you offer uh, – a series of mini courses, um, but what are the most misunderstood elements that uh, students need to have? Yeah, great question. Uh, I think it references we've got our, our most misunderstood series, which is um, using data from those learning lab diagnostics and finding, you know, one, what are the skills that in each, at each grade level um, students are, are the farthest behind in. So, you know, for example, in fourth grade, it's a lot with um, finding common denominators and, and, you know, adding and subtracting fractions. And so we have a series of classes that, you know, meet four times, just specifically on that, small groups of, of 12 to 15 to, uh, to address that. And maybe in sixth grade, it's a little more with, um, you know, algebra and, and distributive property and, and factoring and those things. We've identified, you know, one, 
the skills that are, are most misunderstood, and then two, the ones that are most critical paths. Um, you know, I like to joke a little that uh, nothing depends on the rhombus. If, if you struggle with rhombuses whenever they teach you that, it's fine. You're never going to be asked about a rhombus the rest of your life. If you struggle with right triangles, all of trigonometry depends on, uh, you know, on right triangles and, and so much else, astronomy and everything else. So, you know, it's a matter of, uh, you know, we put together based on finding what are the critical skills at each grade level that students are struggling with the most, packaging them into small, interactive, efficient classes that if we ask kids to do a little more after school, um, you know, it's, it's quick, it's tangible, it's effective, and uh, they can move on. So that's, um, you know, for each grade level, we have those skills. And at varsitytutors.com, you can look for the most misunderstood series. And um, you'll find, you know, if you take the, the diagnostics, you can match up the themes of the classes with what your particular learner needs to work on. It's a way to, to you know, kind of plug the hole in the dam, so to speak, of like, you know, this is where the hole is that we know is kind of load-bearing. You know, let's find some tactical ways to, to address it quickly. Well, Brian Galvin is the Chief Academic Officer at Varsity Tutors. You can find out more about Varsity Tutors and what we've been talking about at varsitytutors.com. Brian, thanks so much for spending this time with me. Oh, Tom, thanks for the opportunity. This was great. Really appreciate it. All right. Take care. All right. Thank you. More of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead.
Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck up. We want to say hello. We want to see you smile. We'd like to sing some good old Christmas songs. With songs about Osetta and his reindeer sleigh. And gee, I just can't wait until it's Christmas Day. We're gonna set you wise. We love to harmonize. And if we had our way, we'd never stop. We'll say hello. We'll see you smile. And we'll sing some good old Christmas songs. We'll say hello. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and troubled breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hi, this is Tom Bodet from Manger 6. We know you've been traveling a lot this holiday season, and you've probably been told there's no room at the end. Well, that's just not the case here at Manger 6. Why, for just 29 drachma, we'll put you up in a warm, comfortable stable with plenty of fresh milk for the newborn. There's even individual stalls for your mules, camels, or whatever you happen to be driving across the desert. 
And in case unexpected visitors decide to drop in on you, shepherds, wise men, holy ghosts, it's not a problem at Manger 6. There's plenty of frankincense and myrrh to go around. This is Tom Bodette from Manger 6 reminding you, there's always room at this inn. We'll even leave a star out for you. Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. The big thing I remember the most of, about uh, growing up as a child was kindergarten. Now, to me, the only thing, uh, uh, kindergarten, the only good thing about it is that it, it teaches you how to say goodbye to your parents without crying. That's all. After that, forget it. They got nothing else for you to do. I remember standing in that schoolyard with 27 snowsuits on. And uh, my idiot mittens, you know. The idiot mittens are the ones with the string that go up your arm and around your neck. And the only cool thing about it is if you talk in the left hand, you can listen in the right. Hello? How's it going? That's all right, fine. Find another kid with idiot mittens on, you run up, you pull his left mitten, and he smacks himself in the face with the right. <laughs> yeah, I used to love to do that, boy. And we all stood in that line crying. Oh, where are we going? We're going to die. You better get us killed and the next day I was very cool. Goodbye, mother. Take care of yourself, won't you, dear? I should be home, oh, 12.30, quarter to one, somewhere around there. Might be late, I may have a little milk with the boys, you know what I mean? Tell dad I'll see him around dinner time. Now, once they get you inside, they're lost. They got nothing for you to do because you're only five and you're too dumb to care about anything else. They try, though, you know. One and one is two. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Right, yeah, cool, man. One and one is two. Yeah, right. What's a two? <laughs> you don't care, man. So then, she takes... So then... Hey, they try these other things, basic things. No, no chairs in kindergarten. Everything's done on the floor. You sit on the floor, stand on the floor, you go home on the floor. Everything's in a circle on the floor so you can look at each other. Little ugly kids with pointed heads. <laughs> and you beat time to Mozart. Ta-dum-da-dum, boom. Ta-dum-da-dum, boom. How long do we have to keep this up? I don't know. Go another 10 minutes, we'll beat her to death with these sticks, all right? <laughs> then she says, okay, children, it's time for a snack. Right, now you're talking, yes, snack, I want a Hershey bar, me too, give me a baby Ruth, right, no such luck. She brought out a box and gave us each an old dried up, brown, nasty tasting, gag you, stick in the throat, graham cracker. <laughs> and you gotta pray for something to wash it down. Please, we're gonna die if you don't give us something soon. We got the hiccups and everything, please. She said, certainly, went over, got a case of milk that's been sitting on the radiator for about 80 years. Nothing in the world better for a bunch of five-year-old kids than good old lukewarm curdly milk. <laughs> yes, sir. We loved it. And the straws in kindergarten are the worst things in the world. Worst straws I've ever seen. They're good for one suck. You <laughs> and that's it. Flat as a piece of paper. You're sitting up there. <laughs> then to top it off, she says, okay, it's time for a nap. Yeah, there's nobody in the world anymore wide awake at 11 o'clock in the morning and a bunch of five-year-old kids. 
23 kids on 23 cots sleeping wide awake. <laughs> Only one sleeping is the teacher. She's gone. Thank God for this break, boy. I'm telling you. I graduated from that into the first grade. I always wanted to get into the first grade because you have your own desk in the first grade and that's just a part of being cool, man. Yeah, because I remember there was one guy that was just as old as the rest of us and his name was Richard, man. Richard was cool because he had his own desk. They skipped Richard because he could tie his own tie, you know. Yeah. They used to bring him up, bring him up before the assembly progress and the president of the school say, I will right, now have Richard tie his tie for you. Yeah, yes, yeah, go Rich, yeah. yeah. Rich was cool, man. We used to pass by the room, man, and peep in the first grade and see them all in there sitting at their desk. You can see Rich. We try to make Rich laugh. We make faces at him. Hey, Rich. <laughs> Rich scared to laugh because he get a beating, you know. Now I got my own desk. Ta-da! I love this desk. Of course, they all look alike, but I got to find out how to find my own. First, I don't want anybody to know that I'm not cool finding my desk. And I sit down at my desk, look around. I know this is my desk because I sit in front of Crying Charlie. <laughs> crying Charlie's got the coolest cry in the world, man. You can't hardly hear him or nothing. He just opens up his mouth <laughs> and tears roll down his face and everything, man. I know this is it because I sit in front of him. So every time I come into the room, I just look for Crying Charlie and I sit right in front of him. Of course, if Crying Charlie's absent, I don't know where I'm going to sit. You know? <laughs> Crane Charlie's absent, I go to his house and sit in front of him. Yeah, gotta fold my hands on top of the desk so the teacher will know what I'm doing. Got some initials on the top of the desk here. Somebody carved them all the way through to the floor. So when you write on your paper, you rip it. Yeah. Got an inkwell. Yeah, boy, they still don't trust us though. No ink in it. Afraid we'll drink it. And I would too, man. Ink is cool to drink, boy. Hey, drink ink about 325, go home with a blue tongue. <laughs> Used to make my mother faint. Ma, yeah, look. <laughs> my mother was cool, man. She would faint for anything, boy. I used to get hit in the head with a rock, cover up the blood, wait till I get right up on her. Ma, look. <laughs> Way to go, Ma. Cool, yeah. She got me back one day, though. I was playing with my navel. You know, oh, navel, navel. <laughs> My mother said, all right, keep playing with your navel. Pretty soon you're going to break it wide open. The air is going to come right out of your body. You'll fly around the room backwards for 30 seconds land. You'll be flat as a piece of paper. Nothing but your little eyes bugging out. Keep it up. I used to carry band-aids with me in case I'd have an accident. Gonna learn to uh, write in the first grade now. They give you this paper, grade triple Z. Grade triple Z paper with wood still in it. Big hunks of wood still floating around in it. You gotta write around the hunks of wood. And the lines are about eight feet apart. They don't want you to miss getting in between them lines, man. Don't want you to start crying. They give you these pencils as big as a horse's leg. And you rest them on your shoulder as you write. A, B, may I have another piece of paper, please? I will, I will, I I learned the correct procedure for going to the bathroom in the first grade. You just don't raise your hand and, you know, say, may I be excused? 
You have to let one finger go up. If you want to do one thing, you want to do anything else, you have to let it see two fingers. In case of a tie, two wins out over one. For the longest time, I told the truth. If I had to go, zero one. And then one day it hit me. I was in the bathroom playing the soap dish game. Seven nothing, favor me. And it hit me, now what's she gotta know what I'm in here doing for? It's none of her business whether I'm one in it or two in it. That's why they put doors on the bathroom so nobody will know if you're one in it or two in it in here. And it's not bad enough that the teacher knows I'm one in it, the whole class knows I'm one. You go back in the classroom, people say, how was it, one So I just started lying after that. You know, hey, if I had the one, one, <laughs> they think I'm one in it. Then I felt guilty and I'd go back and tell the truth. You know that one? Yes, it was really a two. She wrote it down in her book, Bill Cosby did two twos and three ones today. I got an A in bathroom going. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
Hi, I'm Alexander Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. Tom Sumner. 